I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Journalism means getting beneath the news. Work on your game. 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 Approaching the game aggressively, with that aggression, with that confidence to dominate a game. Dre Baldwin, DreAllDay.com. Work on your game. My next live event called Work on Your Game Live will be taking place January 21st and 22nd, Miami, Florida. The two-day event will be covering leadership on day one, communication on day two. But let me tell you what's more important than even the material I'm going to give you on those two days, because you already listened to my show. You've read my books. You already know about me. You know I'm 100% substance all the time. No fluff, no garbage. But what's even more important than what you're going to get from me at that Work On Your Game Live are the people that you're going to meet. I get people coming to me all the time asking, Dre, I need better quality prospects. I need to build a network. I need to make connections. I want to have better and higher quality relationships. How does that happen then? It does not happen through your phone. It doesn't happen through social media. It doesn't happen on Facebook. It doesn't go down in the DM. You need to meet people face to face, person to person, eye to eye, look people in their faces and shake hands where you are physically in the same space as them. That's where real relationships get built. And you ask anyone you know who is very successful or a person you know who makes a lot of money, whatever you consider to be a lot, I guarantee you they have a whole lot of in-person, real-life relationships. Doesn't mean they don't use the phone or computer, but those relationships get built and the real money gets made when face-to-face interactions and handshakes occur. If you want to be one of those people and you're ready to step up to that next level, you need to go to where the relationships and the connections are at. And the next place they're going to be at is in Miami, January 21st, 22nd, and work on your game live. Go to workonyourgame.live to get all details, register your seat, and I'll see you in Miami. That's workonyourgame.live. All my coaching programs are now open at workonyourgameuniversity.com. We have the self-directed learning where you can get access to 37 plus courses. That's over 2,800 lessons that I have created over the years. You can take them at your own pace and you get lifetime access to all of them. That's one level. Next level is the group coaching programs. I have the Bulletproof Mindset program and the branding and business program where you get live Zoom calls with me where I do a training and an open Q&A and you get the community access, member only community where you can make those connections and build relationships with other people who are on the same journey as you and are like minded individuals that are just as serious as you are about working on your game. Third level is the third day mastermind. That is the only place that I offer one on one coaching that is for high level professionals and entrepreneurs who want the personalized, direct attention straight from me, not part of a group, but working with me one-on-one. All three levels, you can get access, you can get all details, and you can get started by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. That's workonyourgameuniversity.com. You're now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, confidence to put yourself out there, bowl in authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, Even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. That is the go-getter energy that moves all of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. Then this is what I'm going to do for you. We're going to take all of this stuff and we're going to put it together into a series of strategies, philosophies, frameworks, mindsets, tactics, approaches 
wrote a bunch of books. If you want to go deeper, we got live events. You want to go deeper in that. We got coaching if you want to go deeper in that. But let's just start right here with this daily masterclass. Yes, every day. That is called Work on Your Game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic, journalism is dying. Yes, journalism is on a ventilator, is on life support. It has a breakthrough variant of the virus. Uh, journalism is dying. It is damn near dead. It might be dead by the time you hear this, because uh, rec- I'm recording this ahead of time. So by the time this comes out, it might have already died. So y'all might have already had the funeral and everything. So don't get mad at me if I'm saying it too late. But journalism is dying. Now, before I get into this, let me tell everybody that I have a text message line where I send a daily motivation text from this number every day. If you want to get that daily motivation text or you just want to communicate with me, you want to ask me a question, you want to share a challenge, idea, feedback, comment, whatever. My number is 305-384-6894. Once you text me at that number, you will be on my list to get my daily motivation text and you can engage with me there because I do take time every single day, go through and I do respond to texts. So if you text me, you will get a text back. And yes, that is me. That is not a there's not a bot that texts you. It is not a when you first come in, we're going to confirm you now, after that. Then that is me who was texting. That's not a bot. That's not my assistant. That is me who was responding to those texts. I get people asking that all the time. That is me. So 305-384-6894 is that number. So this topic, once again today, journalism is dying. Now, I just told you in episode 1474, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but that was two years ago. I told you to stop watching the news. And when I say the news, I don't necessarily mean you no know, turning on at six o'clock on a TV. I don't even own a TV. And, and those of you, when I say news, I'm talking about looking at material from a what used to be what used to be known as a trusted news outlet that would tell you what happened. They don't do that anymore. They stopped doing that a long time ago. Listen to episode 1474, where I explain to you how and why they no longer do that, just so you understand it. The reason that journalism and all of that stuff is dying is because they no longer do their job of objectively reporting the goings on in the world. They used to just tell you what happened. Nowadays, they got to give you a little bit of a spin, a little bit of opinion. They leave out the stuff that makes the side that they like look bad, and they put in extra stuff to make the side that they don't like look bad. So this is that's why the news is not the news anymore. Journalism is different in its duty, and I'll explain that difference, but it's dying for many of the same reasons. And I'm going to articulate all of that here today. So if you have any journalists who are listening to this or anyone who's related to a journalist, you can check me, you can comment to me, you can challenge me on any of the points that I'm going to share here today. But you'll be wrong because I'm right. So <laughs> and I'm only tongue in cheek. I'm only half joking on that. But anyway, the point is, topic once again, journalism is dying. Point number one. Let's get a definition of journalism from the American Press Institute. Quote, though it may be interesting or even entertaining, the foremost value of news is as a utility to empower the informed. The purpose of journalism is thus to provide citizens with the information they need to make the best possible decisions about their lives, their communities, their societies and their governments. Close quote. So let me give an interpretation of this definition by the American Press Institute. I think it should say empower the uninformed, uh, but they say empower the informed. But the whole purpose of news as a is as a utility. So let's just say the whole news thing. So the companies, the reporters, the journalists, all of this is to give people information and empower them through giving them information. That's the whole point. And journalists, what they do is give people information so they can make decisions about that information. So the news and the reporter 
just tells you what happened. The journalists, what they do is they go deeper and they try to figure out why it happened. So that's the difference between reporters giving you the news and journalists is that reporters say what happened. Journalists try to explain to you why it happened, but they don't explain why it happened by just telling you, well, here's my opinion. What a journalist does is that they dig. They dig into the situation and try to find out what is going on. What's the under what are the underlying causes that led to this situation? Now, let me explain to you, because I went and did all the digging and found out I went and chased down all these threads and I found out what was going on. Now, let me share with you how these things occurred. That is what a journalist is supposed to do. And that's what the news is supposed to do. This is how they kind of work together. But they're not doing this anymore. And I'll explain that in a minute. Let me give you one more definition. This comes from a website called Ask Any Difference. So it's a website that basically tells you the difference between one thing and another. So things that are normally maybe sometimes people conflate them or people aren't sure if there is a difference. This website tells you the difference. Beautiful thing about the Internet. You can pretty much find anything. So here they say, quote, the difference between a journalist and a reporter is a reporter's job is to relay the story to the public. But the journalist's job is to research the story. Close quote. So I'll paraphrase that one and say it in a different way. The journalist and I kind of just explain this is that the reporter will just tell you what happened. The journalist is to dig deep and to find out the reporter. Let me say it again. The reporter tells the story to the public. The journalist researches the story for the public. So the reporter just tells you what the journalist, again, they're on your side. They're supposed to be helping you out. That's what a journalist is supposed to do. A journalist is supposed to be on the side of the consumer, of me and you, by explaining, okay, now you saw that headline. You heard that this thing happened, right? Now, let me tell you why it happened and let me help you understand how this all came to be. That is what a journalist's job is initially. At least that's what purely traditionally we expect a journalist to do. Not initially, but traditionally what we expect from a journalist. The job of the journalist is research and investigation. That's what they're supposed to do. Now, there are many reasons here. Before I move on to the second point, many reasons why journalist journalism is dying that I'm going to get into here. One of them that I didn't go deep into here because I've not an expert on it, but this is something that's definitely happening. And any of you who knows, please offer some feedback on this, is that many media companies, because they're not making the same kind of money that they used to make back in the day, a lot of news companies just don't make the same money because clearly they're not selling print publications as much anymore. You no, know, back in the days, if I mean, there are many industries that things changed in this way, the music industry, Every time someone got an album, you would have to, if you got somebody's album, rather, you had to go out and buy the tape or you had to buy the CD. And that's, there's a physical cost to that tape or CD. And every sale, there was a lot of money being made just off physical products being moved, you know, back in the days in the music industry. Nowadays, I was just on my streaming music service here today. I was on Apple Music and I was just scrolling through the new albums that came out and any artist that I've ever heard of before, if I, if was ever one song about them that I liked. Then I just added it to my library. All right, that, that album came out or right, add that. That came out, add that. Even artists that I might not even be that interested in. And my reasoning is, well, look, it's just digital. It's not costing me anything extra. There's no marginal cost to add another album to my library. So why not add it to the library? But if I had to make the real decision of spending real money on some of these artists' albums that I added to my library here today, I'm not going to say their names. I'm not trying to diss certain artists because I'm not that big of a fan of them. But if I had to make a real decision about buy it or don't buy it, I'm probably not buying it. But being that I can just add the whole album and it doesn't cost me anything extra, I'm just paying no $11 a month for the service. Why not? So the money that people used to make off the physical sales, let's say in the music industry, is no longer there. So they had to figure out a new model and way of doing things. And the one industry that has kind of survived a lot when it comes to that, it's kind of been 
digitizing proof in a way, not 100%, is the book industry. So for example, The Third Day, get your free copy of this book. The Decision Separates the Pros from Amateurs by going to thirddaybook.com just because of the nature of books. But also we got audio books now. We do have eBooks, but most of the people who read my stuff want to get the digital, they want to get the physical rather version of the book. But I do get people who say, well, I'm going to get the audio book and they listen to the audio books. So audio books have cut into some of those physical sales a little bit as well. But in the journalism industry, I think they have been hit probably the hardest because even harder than actually maybe not harder than the music industry. I think journalism and the music industry are actually pretty equal because in the, the journalism slash news industry is what I should say, not just journalism, but the news industry is that we called it. I mean, I had the episode that says stop watching the news. We called it the newspaper. All right. Do you read the newspaper? It wasn't any one particular paper. It was just the newspaper. Every day there was a physical newspaper that you got on your doorstep, you picked it up, you opened it, you turned the pages and you would read it. There's a physical cost to that physical product. And that would be factored into the price of those papers. And that industry made a lot of money. And that money would be used to fund and pay the people who work there, i.e. the journalists and the reporters. But because news outlets don't sell physical papers anymore. Now they have to sell memberships. So now your membership, I don't have a membership to any news outlet, do I? I don't think I do. But a membership to a news outlet might be what, $10 a month, $25 a month, something like that. And if you really think about, and I got to really think about that. I didn't really do the math on it. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm just thinking about the math. Let's just say a person like me, I pay $10 a month for access to some news publication that comes out every month or it comes out every day or they're putting news out every day, right? They're always writing new stuff. That's why you get the membership because you get access to all the news that they're putting out. But if you really think about it, if the actual paper itself, if you bought the newspaper and it costs a dollar and it will come out every day, and let's say you got it every weekday because you were going to work. I used to buy the daily news in Philadelphia for 60 cents. Yes, 60 cents every single day when I would go to school. So that would be what? Monday through Friday. So let's just say those five days per week, let's say four weeks a month. So that's 20 times I'm buying that newspaper for 60 cents over the course of a month. And I'm going to use my calculator here because I'm talking at the same time. So I'm not going to try to do math here. So that's $12 that I would spend. But if the daily news goes on a subscription service level and they start selling a subscription for, let's say, $9 a month, that's $3 less that they're getting each month. Now you say $3, right? It ain't that much money. But multiply $3 by how many people are reading that newspaper? Let's say 300,000 people read that newspaper every month. And now they're losing $3. That's $900,000 that they're losing a month in revenue. Now, is it a lot of money? And again, I'm just making these numbers up. I'm making all these numbers up. So don't hold me to any of these. But let's just say that that's correct. I think that's, I think that's a reasonable math problem that I'm laying out for you here. Math equation that I'm laying out here. Now, $900,000. Where does that money go? Or what happened to the things that were being paid for with that money is the real question that you want to ask yourself. And the answer is this. They start cutting back on staff. People start getting fired. Any of you who follows any kind of publication or any of you who follows anyone who's a writer or any type of reporter or journalist or analyst on TV or in news networks, you notice that many of them over the last, and this isn't even a super recent thing, but let's just say over the last five to seven years, many of them stop working for the traditional outlets that we knew them from. I've seen so many writers that I came to know and enjoy from paying attention to, let's say, ESPN over the years, don't work for ESPN anymore. As a matter of fact, they don't work for anybody. 
They worked for ESPN, then they worked maybe for another company, then they stopped, then they start their own. Nowadays, you see a lot of people who we've known traditionally as working at some big company. Now they have their own sub stack where they have a subscription model where people pay for access just to their material. So they're not part of the big mothership aggregate now. Now they got to sell stuff on their own. They've gone from being an employee to being an entrepreneur. And we see people starting podcasts now and they're joining podcasting networks and they're they had their Patreons up or whatever way people can patronize them and stuff like that, that they're not working at the jobs anymore because the companies are losing $900,000 a month in revenue because they can't sell the physical paper anymore, even with the digital subscription. So this is one area that is causing journalism to die is the fact that the money just isn't there because they're competing against all this digital stuff, like people like me, people like YouTube, Instagrams, Twitters, Facebooks, TikToks. They're competing against them because a human being can only have their eyes on one thing at a time. So being that nobody's looking at the newspaper anymore and they got to sell these digital subscriptions. And again, look at Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. How much do they cost? They're free. And people are giving more time to those things than even to the news outlets. So these companies are losing a lot of money. So they had to start cutting people. People are getting fired. And even to this very day, companies are still downsizing. They're still relieving people of their jobs, They're still buying people out because they just can't survive by paying people what they used to pay them back in the day. So one reason why journalism is dying is because the money is just not there anymore. But that is not the full angle of what I'm talking about here today. What I'm talking about here today are the choices that, quote unquote, journalists do actually get to make. And I'm talking any kind of journalist. I don't care if you work for Forbes, if you work for the Philadelphia Daily News, the New York Times, or you have your own independent thing and you're calling yourself a journalist. I'm telling you why journalism is dying as far as the art of actually doing the job the way the job is supposed to be done, regardless of from where you draw your paycheck. Moving on to point number two, topic once again is why journalism is dying. Journalism is on its deathbed. Number two, the critical point of why I believe journalism is falling apart. And I'll share this with assistance from a guy by the name of George Snell. And he is quoted in this article in The Guardian. He didn't write the article, but the writer quoted George Snell. Quote, journalism means getting beneath the news. Great description. It's investigation, analysis, and thoughtful commentary. It's in-depth expository reporting. Close quote. Now, to illustrate this point, George Snell offers this straightforward comparison. Here's another quote. Quote, reporting is when you say a 747 aircraft crashed into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean yesterday. Close quote. Journalism is when you say, quote, a review of maintenance reports of the 747 aircraft that crashed last month revealed that the airplane had a faulty, had faulty engine parts. Reports indicate that airline management ignored warnings that the parts were malfunctioning, close quote. That is a good explanation and a juxtaposition between reporting and journalism. And what George Snell said, his initial quote, this is one and I like, journalism means getting beneath the news. It is going into you investigate, you analyze and you give commentary, but it's thoughtful commentary based on your analysis and your investigation. You have to go in depth in order to be offering the commentary, but people aren't doing this anymore. So my point is journalism goes beneath the surface of the headlines. And again, as I said already three times, it explains why things happen and what led to the headline. Now, in order to do this, what do you have to do? You got to make some investments, right? The biggest investment you had to make to do good journalism is time. You got to give time to really finding out what really happened. Not if you look at the world that we have today, you look at social media. Let me, let me come back to that sec for a second. 
You got to give time to it. You have to be patient so that you can get all the information before you start saying stuff, right? You have to be a critical thinker, meaning whatever is presented to you, you have to question it. You got to look at it. You got to have an objective mind. You have to be naturally skeptical and you have to have a willingness to share something that might disturb people when you find out what's really going on. Because the truth is the truth, right? Truth is objective. I just shared this not too long ago here on the show that truth is always going to tell you the truth. Just a few days ago, episode 2009. This is what is required to be a journalist. So all of these things are missing these days. And this is why I'm saying that it's dying. And here's the thing. If you look at social media these days and some news item happens, something happens in government, something happens in sports, something happens in pop culture, entertainment, whatever, something takes place. What are a lot of you know, reporters or news people or even you and I, regular people who aren't in the reporting or news industries? What are we doing? Many of us are rushing to be the first person to share the news. We want to be the first person who told everybody, hey, this thing happened. We want to be the first one who breaks some news. I've read in articles and books that I read about viral marketing, when things go viral, that there's actual benefit that human beings get, like a chemical benefit that we get, neurochemical benefit that we get from being the first one to have certain news. If we're the first one to tell somebody about something that occurred, it is like a positive feeling, like a, a dopamine hit that we get from being the one to tell somebody else about something that is important to them when we get to break the news. So a lot of reporters and journalists these days, news folks and news outlets, they want to be the first ones to report a story when oftentimes the first person to come and speak out about something that happened, a thing, often they don't have all the facts. They don't have all the information. They might even be reporting something that didn't even happen, but it's going off of what they heard and they can't risk not being first. So they just go with it before they have even verified that it occurred. And then we get a whole lot of misinformation slash fake news, so to speak, that gets put out there. These days, we have basically traded death for expediency. We've taken when someone used to go deep and really get the analysis and really get skeptical about what they've been told. They would put the time in. They would have the patience. They would think critically. They would be objective and they'd be willing to share whatever the truth told them. But all that stuff takes time. Instead of taking a week to put your article out or a month to put your stuff out so you can give people the depth and give them some real substance. Now we're taking that week or that month and we're shrinking that down to an hour or 10 minutes just so we can put something out quick. And I'm not saying everybody is doing this. It was absolutely not true. There are still long form journalists who do that long form writing and give you some high quality stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that I like to read. Now, I'm a I'm a reader. I'm a writer and a reader. So I like to read that kind of stuff when people actually go deep and do this. The challenge is there are fewer and fewer of these people. This is what my point is why journalism is dying. There are fewer and fewer of these people because, first of all, there are fewer publications willing to subsidize these people and actually pay them a salary so that they can do this kind of in-depth work that the public needs. This is a public service to give people this type of journalism so they can really learn what's going on and find out why it's happening and you know, get the stuff. For example, back in, this is back in May of 2021, there was this really in-depth article about the lab theory. What is it called? The, the leak, the lab leak theory about the COVID-19 virus. And there was this whole theory that come out, well, did this come from a lab? Was it experience? Was it an accident? Did somebody do it on purpose? Did it come from a lab at all? Where did the COVID virus come from? And there was a whole lot of back and forth and nobody knew or nobody was really saying. And there was an article in Vanity Fair. And 
I remember I had this saved in this app I use called Instapaper, where you can basically save any article and then come back to it and it just strips it down to the um like the plain text. And it said 56, it tells you how long it's gonna take you to read it. 56 minute read. It took me an hour to read this article. I remember I read it on a plane when I was coming back from Europe this past summer. And it was a very in-depth article, but it was the kind of writing that is real journalism, where it wasn't trying to persuade you to any one side or another of a point. It wasn't giving any of its own opinion. The author was not telling you any of their own opinions. It wasn't trying to sway you one way or another. There was no skewing of the points. It was just telling you what it was, but it required a lot of research. It required a lot of in-depth questioning. It required asking a whole lot of people a whole lot of different things. I could they quoted like 20, 30 different people of what was happening, when it happened, to put together a whole timeline, explain everything. That's journalism. That's the kind of stuff that used to inform people like us. And again, it's not dead. There are still people doing it because I just told you about an article that I read where someone did it the right way. Challenges is just fewer and fewer of people doing it. And a lot of people who would be doing this for a full time living now, they have traded in doing that deep work for just being the fast thing, being the instant thing, because now we have all these instas, right? We have these immediate things. We have these feeds. You got to keep the feed full. You got to stay updated. You got to keep telling people what's going on minute by minute. And nobody wants to slow down and have patience. And this is what a journalist is supposed to do, but they're not doing it anymore. So this is another reason why it's dying. Let's move on to point number three. Today's topic, once again, is why journalism is dying. Many news outlets, and I use the term loosely when I say news, and current event publications, they have, and this is another reason, they have chosen sides on certain topics. And these are topics upon which we used to go to for objective information. Okay, there's a, some kind of virus going around. Okay, just give us the objective information on what's happening. Okay, there's a political election coming up. Just tell us objectively who's saying what, who's doing what. Don't tell us your opinion. Don't try to make one person sound good, another person sound bad. Just tell us what's happening. They don't do that anymore. They have picked a side and they're not being objective anymore. Now, I will allow that many of these publications were somewhat slanted even back in the day, that even back in the early 2000s and the 90s, that many news outlets were somewhat slanted in what side they favored or what side they didn't favor. But even though they were slanted, they weren't so slanted that you could even tell. You couldn't see. It wasn't obvious how slanted they were. You might, if you were a sleuth, maybe read between the lines and notice certain things, but they weren't so slanted as they are these days to where it's like, okay, you know exactly what you're going to get from someone even before the news show comes on. That's how it is now. So now they're, they, back in the day, they were slanted. These days, they're horizontal. All right? They used to be straight up and down. That's what we want. We want straight up and down. Just tell us what happened objectively. Then they were, they were maybe a little slanted in recent, let's say, a decade or two ago. Now they're just horizontal, straight. We know that they're leaning one way or another all the way. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. And choosing sides, these outlets have blocked journalism from happening because how are you going to work for, let's just say, for example, how are you going to work for an outlet that's leaning really hard to the left and write anything, any kind of in-depth, substantive journalism that makes anyone on the left look bad? You can't do it. They wouldn't run the article. They wouldn't even let you publish it. You might get fired for even trying to put that up. So I always ask the following question, this, and it's the same vice versa. If you're working for a publication that's hard to the right, you can't put something out that's going to make someone on the right look bad. They're not going to let you run it. They're not going to put it out because, well, you're hurting our side or you're not going along with the party line. You're not following the program. So this is the question that I always ask myself whenever I hear someone or see someone 
going really hard on a certain topic and they're sharing a whole lot of their opinion, not being objective, but they're sharing their opinions on something. And they seem to be very convinced on their point of view. Nothing wrong with being convinced of your point of view. But this is the question that I ask myself. Would this same person share the opposite point of view if they had it? And would they still have a job at the publication that they work for if they even tried? And often, unfortunately, the answer is no. I saw someone, and I'm actually, I'm not even going to use any particular example. This is not even about bashing any individual uh, side or person or even an outlet. But the next time you see someone going really hard on a certain topic, as far as they're, especially someone who's supposed, supposed to be a reporter or a journalist, I'm not talking about just an everyday person because people throw their opinions out all day on the internet, but someone who is a journalist offering a very strong opinion on a certain side, ask yourself if they had the opposite opinion, could they still have their job at that same company? If the answer is no, then it's not even so much a negative reflection of the journalist who's offering the opinions. Negative reflection is a negative reflection of the company that they work for simply because they couldn't have a, a different opinion at the place that they work. So this is what makes me dubious of a lot of journal, journalists and reporters these days. I'm like, all right, you work for CNN. OK, there's only certain opinions you can have working at CNN. Now, you can't have certain opinions working at CNN. You won't have a job anymore. There's certain opinions you can't have working at, let's just say, Fox, possibly. Now, I'm going to offer an opinion and think I'm being objective with this. And again, anybody can check me on this if I'm wrong. I have found that the CNN side seems to go a little bit harder on the they're only saying they're only giving you one side of a conversation than, let's say, the Fox side of things. But again, if any of you sees it different, you let me know. Now, also letting you know my ignorance. I do not watch the news. I don't watch either one of these networks, but from the things that I see, from the clips that I see on social media and stuff, it seems like one side is a little bit more dogmatic than the other. But again, any of you who has more experience than me, as far as paying attention to the news, you let me know if I'm missing something, which I very well could be. So you let me know. But my point is journalism can't happen when you're working at a company that has gone so hard on one side that you can only share one side of a conversation. If you go to if you even get close to towing the line, first of all, they're not even going to run your work and you might lose your job. So you're probably not even going to try because you need that job, you need that check. Kids got to eat. So in this case, it's not the journalists to blame because many of them, they got to do what they got to do to get their checks. But also at the same time, where I would blame the journalists, I believe that a lot of journalists, just even if they could say what they wanted to say, they don't have the balls to say it because on top of the trepidation of what their bosses might say and what their editors might do if they try to put a certain article out, people are also thinking about what are their followers going to say? Uh, who, they, who may they be attacked by? Who might, uh, who might try to you know, not even cancel them, but just attack them, sick their followers on them because you said the wrong thing about the wrong person? You know, and that's part of the game as well, because social media is part of it now. A lot of journalists, they renegotiate their contracts based on how many followers they have on social media, how much engagement they get when they post an article. This is a real thing. These things are really taking place inside of these companies these days. And us as consumers, we need to know about this because they're the ones who are giving us our quote unquote information. And we need to know, you know where are they compromised? So it's the publications and companies who have incentivized a lot of journalists to play the game a certain way. So if I work for a company that has decided that they are pro-Republican, for example, and I as a journalist, I can't do a deep dive story that will possibly make any Republicans look bad. Well, what am I supposed to do? My boss wouldn't let that story come out. So what am I supposed to do? Not, I just don't tell the story. I just don't put it out there. If I work for a company who is pro-choice, for example, 
I can't share any data in my article that might give the pro-life argument certain amounts of ammunition. Well, they're not going to run the article. I might get fired for even trying to put that out there. So these are the things that and these are like these unspoken things that are taking place inside of newsrooms that we are not you know, 100 percent privy to. But these are part of the reason why journalism is dying. If any of you saw the TV show The Wire, there was a season where they went, they dove into the newsrooms and what happens in the news world. And you can see this kind of stuff happening, even though The Wire was a, a fictional TV show. You can see some of the stuff, the unspoken languages that are being communicated and the things that you just don't talk about. And if you do say the quiet thing out loud, you can end up on the outside looking in. And if you watch that TV show, The Wire, you'll see a great example of it. Point number four. Today's topic, once again, is why journalism is dying. Here's how you can spot a good journalist. Is that you cannot predict their angle. A good journalist or even a good opinion sharer, just a person who has made themselves known by just sharing their opinions and their views on certain subjects. You know someone is good when you don't know what angle they're going to take. Even if you know maybe whether they're pro or con, they're yes or no, you don't know how they're going to explain their pro or con, yes or no. That's what makes a good journalist. That's what makes a good opinion sharer is that you don't know their angle until they tell you. Even when they tell you the topic, as I said, you can't guess with much accuracy their approach, even though you might know yes or no, for or against. Even if they tell you what sides you're on, the why is hidden until you get into what they're going to say. And they usually, almost always, are going to give you something to think about. They're going to give you something that says, damn, you know what? I didn't look at it from that angle. That's a different way of looking at it. They'll give you an angle that you might want to take and go use for yourself. A good journalist will share with you things that you didn't know, but things that you need to know. Journalism doesn't just take the talking points that you already know about and then just tell it to you again. That's not journalism. You're not a journalist if that's all you're doing. And I see many people who are posing as journalists these days who are doing nothing but repeating talking points. And this is another reason why journalism is dying because it's getting watered down because you get a whole lot of no bloggers who are passing as journalists. They're not actually journalists. They are bloggers, but now they're working for publications that used to employ journalists, but I guess the bloggers are cheaper, so they're hiring the bloggers. Real journalism is always going to make you think it's going to give you an angle that you never thought of before. So next time you read something or even hear somebody sharing their opinion, ask yourself, did they give you anything that you didn't know? They tell you anything that's going to make you think. Did they give you some food for your brain or are they just telling you things you already know? They're just saying it in a different way, but they're giving you the exact points that you already heard before. That's how you know when you're consuming actual good journalism or an actual good opinion sharing piece of content, even if you disagree with the opinion. And the challenge is not that these people do not exist. It's just fewer and fewer of them these days. Let's recap today's class, which is why journalism is dying. I told you in episode 1474, stop watching the news. Journalism is dying and the news networks rather are dying because they no longer objectively report things. Journalism is different in its duty, but they're dying for many of the same reasons. Number one, first, we got clear on these definitions that the journalist's job is to research and investigate and to dive deep into situations. Point number two. The critical point, George Snell said this journalism means getting beneath the news, investigation, analysis, thoughtful commentary. And then I explained that because journalism goes beneath the surface of the headlines and explains the why of what happened, that takes time, patience, critical thinking, objective mind, skepticism and a willingness to share something that may disturb people because the truth is objective, as I just told you a few days ago. So why is it dying? Point number three. Many news outlets and current events publications have chosen sides on certain topics. We used to just get objective information from many of these publications, but now 
they have chosen to go so far in one direction or another that you can't be a journalist because the truth, the objective truth might offend somebody who works at that company. The objective truth might hurt the company's position as they're far on this side. So they might lose some of their listeners or their viewers or their subscribers that will cost the company money. So you can't say certain things. So and also when I hear somebody going hard on a certain view, I ask myself if they had the opposite view, could they still have the same job at the same company? The answer is almost invariably the answer is no. So it's not always the journalists themselves to blame. Many times it's the companies, though many journalists don't have the nuts to share anything different than what they've already shared, even if they wanted to. And listen, they're humans just like you and I are. We are all being conditioned every day by the things that we are taking in. So if I'm working at a company that's pro one side or another on a certain topic, I can't share anything that would go against it because, again, my bosses might not like it and I might not have a job the next day. And point number four, how you spot a good journalist, you can't predict their angle. Even when they tell you the topic, you can't guess with much accuracy how they'll approach it. They might be for or against. Even if they tell you what side they're on, or you know what side they're on, the reason why they're on that side, the reason why they have their opinion, you cannot guess it. A good journalist, you can never guess their angle, even though you may know their conclusion. They will challenge you with ideas that you had not yet considered. They will inform you with something that you did not know before you started listening to or reading or watching this stuff. They will always give you an angle that you might even take and go use yourself. A good journalist will share things that you did not know, but you need to know. Journalism does not just merely repeat talking points. So next time you are watching something, listening to something, reading something, ask yourself, are you taking in actual journalism? Unfortunately, many of the times your answer is going to be no, because it ain't too many of them left. They still are around, but they're an endangered species. Send me a text. If you want to get my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to everyone in my text community free of charge. My number is 305-384-6894. If you want to be coached by me directly, we work on three specific things, strategy, execution, and accountability. If that sounds like you, go to workingyourgameuniversity.com. Click the button for joining my third day mastermind. We'll hop on a Zoom call. I want to know where you're at, where you're going, how I can help you get there. And that's that. Work on your game. Dre all day. I want you to send a text to this number, 305-384-6894. That is my direct text number. When you text me there, you'll be part of my texting community. And that means you're going to be receiving my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to keep you sharp, focused, and mentally on point for the day in front of you. Send me a text at this number, 305-384-6894. One more time, 305-384-6894. Get daily motivation.